Thank you. Go ahead. It's crunch time here. The atmosphere is electric. This is where champions are made. The tension is so thick here, you can cut it with a sharp instrument. And Pastor Verbosity just gave an MVP caliber ask. Now we just have to see how the crowd responds. This Usher team is a solid group of veterans, and they have a nice mix of lefties. They've instituted a new system recently. The triangle wasn't working, so they went to the Rombus Flex. Yeah, we have a disturbance. This is huge. This could be a huge momentum killer. Miller moves in with authority. What a move. And look at that quickness. You know, he's a great role player. It's hard to believe they acquired him in a trade with the Methodists for a dozen hymnals and some cash considerations. That is a bargain. That's big. He's got great lateral usherability. The man can ush. This is a great passing team. They always bring their A game. Yes, they are very accurate, and they minimize turnovers and interceptions. That's right, Tad. This year they've switched to the antenna plate, which actually holds 20% more than last year's plates. As you can see, it offers greater width and depth, and a healthy dose of stick'em for fewer drops. And the credit card swipe is a new innovation as well. Looks like there'll be fewer declines than ever. Looks like Robinson's crowding the plate, and the usher backs him off. And the plate passes by the Stuckies. Nothing. No surprise there. They are shooting in very low percentage. The Stuckies are 0 for October. Wait a second. We may have a violation here. Let's go to replay. Can we get a different angle of that? Watch this guy. His hand passes over the plate, but boom, nothing. He doesn't actually put anything in right there. Look at it. Look at it. That is big. The air ball. Talk about it. Oh, you guys must have had a bad angle. I always give 110%. At least 10%. Series on stewardship. And when we think about stewardship, we also often think about money or what you put in the plate on Sunday morning. But it's much more than that. We are stewards of our life. And our lives are be, to be a daily offering to God. And the greatest thing that you can do with your life is to live it fully for God. The title of today's message is First or First-ish. And if I were to take a poll and ask you all uh, who believes that God should take first place in your life, I think that we would all say yes and amen to that. We want God to be first. That's our heart's desire. But the reality is that we often have areas of our life where God isn't first. He's more like first-ish which is really second, right? I mean, if your kid comes home from a track meet and you ask them how did they finish, what place did they take, and they say, well, I was first-ish, even if you don't say it out loud, you're thinking you took second <laughs> or third or fourth, right? And in Scripture, we see that God wants and deserves to be first place in our lives. God is the author of everything. He's preeminent in everything. Before there was anything at all, there was God. And Jesus was before all things creating. In Colossians 1, uh, 16 and 17 says, He not only created everything, but that he holds everything together. God created the world, and he created the world with order. And when our lives are lived in a way that... God designed us to live them, where we put God first in everything, then our lives are not only blessed, and they are held together in him. 
If we could live fully for God and put him first in everything, we would continually be amazed at the beauty and peace and freedom and joy that marks our lives. Uh, The problem is, we live in a world um, that works against a life of order. Life in a fallen world works against a fully God-centered, God-held-together life. I was reading some research on entropy this last week. Uh, Entropy is also known as the second law of thermodynamics, and it's one of the fundamental laws of the universe. Here's a definition. I'm sure you all have heard it before anyway, but entropy refers to the idea that everything in the universe eventually moves from order to disorder. And uh, this quote by James R. R. Newman, a mathematician, kind of sums it up. Entropy entropy is the general trend of the universe toward death and disorder. There's nothing on earth that escapes decay, right? Um, God created everything with order, but ever since the fall, it's natural tendencies towards disorder. Left to itself, life will always become less structured. Weeds take over gardens. Anybody have that happen this last summer? (laughs) Cars rust. People age. Our flesh sags, right? Without outside force to intervene, disorder always increases. And the second law of thermodynamics was developed or uh, uh, found or whatever in 1850, but it was talked about in Scripture long before that. We find it in Scriptures like Psalms 102, 25 through 26. If you want to write these down, they're not going to be on the screen. Hebrews 1, 10 through 12. King Solomon saw it in action and wrote about it in Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. He says, I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one with no common sense. I saw that it was overgrown with nettles. It was covered with weeds. The walls were broken down. Entropy was at work. Then as I looked and I thought about it, I I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on, um, on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. So he walks by this vineyard. He expect, you would expect it to be loaded with fruit. Instead, it's overgrown with thistles and thorns. The walls are broken down. Without attention and effort, the vineyard goes to pot. And this is true of our spiritual lives as well. Our, our focus can move from this God-centered life to a me-centered life, where we're becoming more and more like the world and less and less like Jesus Christ. And the good news is that we can fight against this entropy. Entropy exists because there's an enemy who put all this loss into motion, but uh, we can take steps against it. We can take steps to realign your life around God and put him first. And the Holy Spirit is always urging us and empowering us to move towards this God-centered, God-first life. So in the time that we have this morning, I'd like to look at some scriptures and some steps that we can take to keep God first in all the areas of our life. Um, They're there in your message notes if you want to pull those out. 
And the first thing is to give God first place in your heart. To, to love God wholeheartedly. Make him first, not first-ish. And, you know, I don't know about you, but it's a struggle sometimes to make that space for God in my day because there are so many other things tugging at us, right? Activities that we can get involved in. And spiritual entropy erodes our love for God a little bit at a time. We don't even see how we're slipping away from him and slipping towards these other things and these other, letting these other things fill up our, our life and our schedule. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? Uh, what's the most important focus of our lives? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's God in first place. To love God fully. We have to live in an examined life. Just as we understand that we have to attend to the other relationships in our life, we also need to attend to our relationship with God, to listen to his Holy Spirit when we're kind of having some slippage and, and to make changes in our schedule, to rearrange our priorities, to keep God first in our heart. I was reading an interesting article this week about the British um, professional cycling team. Britain had never won a Tour de France, and so they hired this guy named Dave Brailsford, and they gave him the task of leading their cycling team, which was uh, Team Sky, to a win. Well, his approach to that was simple. His goal was to make small incremental changes in everything that the team did. So his belief was that if they could improve every area of, um, related to cycling, even by 1%, that those small gains would add up to this uh, great improvement. So they started out organizing things that you would kind of expect him to uh, address, things like nutrition for the riders, a weekly training program, program the ergonomics of the bicycle seat, the weight of the tires, all, all these kinds of things, trying to gain that little bit of an edge. But they didn't stop there. They uh, began to search for 1% one per, one improvements in every area, they found pillow, the perfect pillow for each cyclist that they slept best on. And then they would take that pillow with them to the hotel when they were uh, competing out of town. They had professionals come in to teach them how to wash their hands properly so that they uh, avoided infection and getting sick. They, they searched for small improvements in every area. And Brailsford believed that if they um, successfully executed this strategy that they could win the Tour de France within five years. He was wrong. They, they won it in three years. And not only that, they went on to take 70% of the gold medals in 2012 uh, Olympic Games. It, it's so easy to underestimate the value of making better decisions on a daily basis. And we make daily choices that affect our relationship with God. And what I would encourage us to do is to take some time this week and to think about the ways that we can make God um, more of a priority in our life, in our relationship to him, uh, first place. And it might mean, you know, you need to go to bed at a specific time on Saturday night so you can get up for church on Sunday. Or maybe you've quit reading the Bible or you haven't been taking time for prayer 
to look at the ways that maybe your spiritual life has been slipping and, and to make some changes. Proverbs 3.6 says, In everything you do, put God first, and he'll direct you and crown your efforts with success. The, the life that we long for depends on who's at the center of it, us or God. So how can you reorder your life to put God first and love him wholeheartedly? Then the second essential to putting God first is to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness above earthly gains. You know, the Bible says this world is not our home, that we're looking forward to a heavenly home. And while we're here, God longs for us to care for the things that he cares about, to make his kingdom purposes and his plans first place in our lives. Jesus was talking to a crowd of people, people like you and me, who, you know, are worried about what's for lunch and uh, what shall I wear to church and and uh, how am I going to pay the mortgage this month? Jesus told them, don't worry about those things. In Matthew 6, he uh, reads what, they, uh, what he says they should focus on. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Jesus understood that we have worries worries, and that our fears can distract us from following God fully and seeking his kingdom first. And so he encourages us to, to rearrange our lives so that his kingdom and his work comes first. In your message notes, you'll see that I've listed some of the different areas in our life that I would encourage you to set down with that list this week and begin to look at them and think about, how can I change this or change that uh, to live more fully for God, to make his kingdom priorities my priorities. And and I'm not really talking about 1% tweaks. I'm talking about shifts that will bring your whole life under the reign of God. Then the third essential to putting God first is to give your first and best back to God. Give your first and best back to God. It honors God when we recognize that everything that we have comes from Him and then respond by giving a portion back to God for His purposes. Next week we're going to have our annual Consecration Sunday. It's an opportunity for us to realign our resources and put God first uh, in our lives in this area of our finances. It also helps the uh, finance team in the budget process, and we'll have a card that you can fill out so that, um, for those of you who are willing to do that, so that they kind of have some idea what they have to work with. And we're kind of facing a unique situation this year because we know that there's going to be a pastoral change, but we don't know what the, who the next pastor will be or what his her, her salary will be. But we do know that we have ministries here in this church that are doing wonderful work and making a big difference in the world. And your generous donations help us to continue to have those ministries and have them be effective and have the resources they need. I want to give you, encourage you to give a thoughtful, earnest prayer this week and consider the how you might step up in your giving. And in your bulletin, you'll see a 
card there, my God first giving step for 2018. And you don't need to turn this in this week or next week or ever. This is for you to take home and it gives you kind of a way to pray about what you might put on your commitment card next week and how you might step up in your giving. I want to just take a brief minute to go through this. And it's kind of a progressive thing. We all start by giving to God for the first time, right? Maybe some of you remember when you did that. But uh, there's always that first offering that you put in the plate and you begin then to give occasionally, right? Um, And then the next step after that, though, is to make a plan to become a regular giver. And I've seen some people in uh, both of these churches struggle with, I just can't seem to remember, and then I get behind and I want to catch up. And so um, we've had people that set up online giving, and that helps them to give regularly. But other, other words, uh, it might be that you're just going to make sure that you've got money in your billfold every week or your purse, but become a regular giver. And then the third um, progression there is to make a commitment to give by filling out a pledge card. And not everybody does that, but it does help with the planning, and it also is a way for you to say to God, I'm committing to this, I'm putting it in writing. And then... The next step is intentionally move towards the tithe. Um, Not everybody can just make that jump to tithing. If you're not already tithing, it's kind of a big step. And in our economy, a lot of people have debt and things that prevent them from just beginning to tithe 10%. So I always encourage people to put a plan in place, though, so you know this year I'm giving 2%, next year I'm going to give 4% or one, two, three, whatever, how many years, but that you have a plan that you're intentionally moving towards obedience and towards tithing. And then the next thing then is to begin to tithe. As you look at Scripture, uh, that's kind of the bottom line of what God asks of us. That's what he says indicates that we're trusting him with all of the areas of our life, uh, if we'll trust him with 10% of our income. And so that's a a first... um, way that we begin to really put our finances in God's hands. And then the step after that is once you begin to tithe, that at some point, um, maybe when your money is, you've got, you're taken care of or whatever, you decide, I want to give beyond a tithe. I, enough's enough. I don't need all, all of this for myself. So those are some things that I would encourage you to look at this week and to think about um, what you want to put on your connection, your commitment card next week. Jesus uh, spoke a great deal about money, and he knew that it played an important role in our lives. So I want to close with this scripture that um, has Jesus' words. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth or rust destroys, where entropy has no effect, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. Lord God, I I thank you for this church and the ways that it has been in ministry here for so many years and for the faithful people that have given of their resources to see that happen. 
people who love you and want to see your kingdom made real on earth. And I pray for each person here. I pray for your blessing on their finances and that you'll give them faith, God, to to take the steps that you call them to. Uh, you love a cheerful giver, God, so we, we're asking that, that you'll help us all to give what we can give cheerfully. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have the ushers come and receive the offering. Father, on this Thanksgiving Sunday, our hearts are full of gratitude. We thank you for blessing us so richly and in so many ways. And we offer these gifts back that others might experience your presence, your goodness, and the richness of your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Remain standing as we sing now. Thank ye all our God. <laughs> 